You're listening to the Diaries of a Witch podcast with Angelica Creasy. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be answering questions that I got in a recent Q&A. They're all about Hades and the underworld, so I wanted to make an entire podcast episode answering them because there's so many things I have to say about each of these questions, and I think it just deserves its own entire episode. So this is going to be your Q&A about Hades answering your questions. So I have been working with Hades for about eight years, and he's my patron deity. Um, I work with him as a priestess, and I love him, and I'm such a advocate of him in the sense of like, obviously, if you don't resonate with him, I don't really care or not care if you work with him or not. Like, I'm not trying to like get everybody to work with Hades or anything like that, but I just love him so much. I mean, he's my father. He's my patron. Um, I think working with him is incredible. It's changed my life. It's been such a beautiful daily support in, in my life and such a catalyst for change for the last eight years. And I remember when I started working with Hades eight years ago, there was not a lot on the internet, um, about working with Hades. And I think that that's different. I think that that has changed in the last couple of years, which is great. Um, And I try to be part of that conversation as well, because I feel like it's kind of my, my path, you know, to, to talk about him and to, if you do want to work with him to assist you in that endeavor. Um, So today we're going to be asking or answering your questions. Um, So the first question about Hades. And some of these are going to be about the underworld in general or about deity work in general, or maybe they're being asked about Hades, but it can kind of be be taken into a larger um, deity work context. Um, But the first question is, (laughs) what are Hades' favorite music genres and songs? I love this question. This is so great. So yeah, it's so funny. Hades loves music and we can kind of see this in his mythology with Orpheus, his story of where um, Orpheus, who is this um, amazing artist and singer and lyre player, he's like this savant of music and the lyre and poetry and lyricism. He is the child of the nymph Calliope, um, or actually no, she was a muse, wasn't she? Yeah, the the muse Calliope. And Hermes uh, was his father. And so he was kind of like a, you know, a child of immortal parentage. And he had these almost immortal gifts of being able to play music really well. So he was married to somebody named Eurydice and she ends up dying and kind of unexpectedly in some tales she's killed by a snake, she's bitten by a snake and in some iterations you know she dies in, in other ways but she passes away and Orpheus is so distraught because she was you know his life and his muse and that sort of thing. He goes into the underworld on foot and he looks to um, change Hades and Persephone's mind and allow Eurydice to leave with him. And so what ends up happening is he plays music for Hades and Hades is smitten with the music. He's like, wow, this is really, really beautiful. And I can tell you're very talented at this. You've charmed me. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like that meme. You've charmed me. Um, And so he allows Orpheus to take Eurydice. uh, But with there's a couple, you know, uh, connotation, not connotations. What's the word? There's a couple like things that he clauses. I think that's what I was trying to say. There's a couple clauses that he has to abide by. And Orpheus ends up not leaving with Eurydice because um, he doesn't essentially follow those those clauses or those rules. And the most important rule was Eurydice was going to leave with him, but he had to exit the underworld essentially without her and trust that she'd be following behind him. And he couldn't look behind her to see if she was following. Um, And so he ends up looking at the very last second because he's so, you know, he's so full of doubt. Um, Anyway, so that's the Orpheus and Eurydice story. And the reason why I told you this mythology tale is because it shows um, that Hades loves music. And that's something that 
can can be offered to him. So I have a playlist of songs that I feel like Hades really likes. Maybe I'll share the playlist. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. But um, some of his favorite songs, um, I feel like there's this one song by an artist called Nick Lang. And the song is called Lonely Shade of Blue. <clears throat> Sounds very Hades, right? <laughs> and that song, I feel like just is such a Hades song for me. Every lyric, um, let me see if I can like pull up the lyrics or something, but every lyric is just so Hades and resonates so much with him and his mythology. And it just is fascinating uh, to me. And, and it's a little, you know, it's like interpretive, right? I mean, you have to like take a little bit of like an artistic liberty <laughs> in a way, you know, it's not going to be like specifically talk telling Hades a story. I'm, I'm sure some songs do, but okay. So these are the lyrics to the lonely shade of blue by Nick Lang. She's like the lonely shade of blue counting down the hours till the bell rings after school. She wrote that night. Don't fall in love with her. She said, don't fall in love. Don't fall in love. And so I don't know. I just feel like it's so interesting. Oh, this, this line is very, I feel like this is something Hades would say to Persephone. It says, don't fall in love with him, he said. Don't fall in love with him, she said. I said, don't you want to disappear? Would you do it again? Would you take me back? Um, would you live it again? I don't know. I just feel like it's so Hades. Like, don't you want to disappear? Like, what? What is this line? Like, it's just, it, 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 I feel like this is what Hades is, is saying to Persephone when she enters the underworlds around the fall you know he's like all right you ready to disappear <laughs> you know don't you want to be unseen and come into the depths and the darkness with me and hide and be you know just in my presence like it's just i don't know i think it's so beautiful so the question was what are hades favorite music genres and songs so that is a song i would definitely recommend as far as genres i feel like he really likes he likes like the ballads, I feel like, like the sort of, sort of romantic, sad ballads, <laughs> in my opinion. I also think he likes like rock and punk and stuff like that. Um, I always find myself, you know, putting that on. He loves the Smiths. <laughs> Honestly, every time I'm like, I wanna play Hades music on the playlist, it's like half of it is the Smiths. Oh, I also um, feel like he loves the Cockatoo Twins, and maybe it's just because I love the Cockatoo Twins, but um, I that's a lot. That's on the playlist a lot, is the Cockatoo Twins. And there's a couple songs where they mention Persephone. Um, I believe there's a song, is there a song called Persephone? I think so. Um, but there's also another song called Road, River, and Rail that I always associate with Hades. And I don't know what it is with that song, but like that is probably my top Hades song. And Heaven and Heaven or Las Vegas is kind of like my other Hades song. Um, and so that whole album, the entire Heaven or Las Vegas album is just probably my favorite album of all time, but it's also like my Hades album. And it's so funny because the other day I was meeting my friend at a bar and I walked up to you know, the bar, I entered the building, I walked up to the bar and I noticed that they were playing um, Heaven or Las Vegas, which I guess is kind of a popular song anyway. So I was kind of like, all right, mm -mm, you know, but then they continue to play the whole album, like while we were in there, at least a couple other songs from the album. And one of them was Road, River and Rail. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are like all of my Haiti songs coming into play. And it was just so beautiful and comforting. And I feel like Hades always talks to me in music. And sometimes what happens is like, I will get a song recommended to me on like Spotify or something. I'll just be like in the car driving and a song comes up that I've never heard before. And sometimes the lyrics like strike me as, oh my God, like this is a message from Hades right now. Like this is him talking to me, you know? And so uh, there are definitely songs that I can't recall or can't remember at this time. I, I'm sure I'll add them to the Hades playlist eventually, but they just came up when I was driving and I didn't really realize what they were, what the names of them were, but they spoke to me in that moment. The next question is, what are your favorite ways to honor Hades every day or on a daily basis? And I love this question because I think that when you're 
developing a deity work practice um, or even after you've had one for quite a while, I think that sometimes what a lot of witches are looking for is how can I keep this relationship going and keep developing and keep touching in and make this a part of my everyday life? And so my favorite everyday ways to work with Hades and to honor him, um, I really like to offer him coffee and what, what I tend to do in the morning is I brew a ton of coffee because my husband loves coffee and usually drinks a bunch of it and then takes some to work and then I love coffee and so I drink a bunch of it and then if we have leftover coffee um, I'll, I'll do a couple which we usually do because I brew like a ton of coffee what I usually do is I save some for iced coffee either later that day or the next day. Um, so I just keep it in the fridge and save it for iced coffee. Sometimes I save it for spiritual baths. Coffee is a really, really great thing to add to a spiritual bath for cleansing or uncrossing and road opening and that sort of thing. Um, but what I also do, and partially the reason why I brew so much coffee, is I try to give Hades um, some as well while it's still hot. So some days I will sit and have coffee with him and kind of chat with him. Other days, um, you know, I'm either busy or at the gym or I'm having breakfast and coffee with my husband instead. Um, but I always like to try to give him some coffee when I can think of it. Um, I also like to give him peppermint tea, like let's say we drank all the coffee <laughs> or it's just a different time of day and I don't have coffee to give him necessarily. I will brew a cup of peppermint tea, which he loves peppermint, and we sit and have some tea together. Um, sometimes I do some tea divination. I have some loose leaf teas and um, I have a special cup for tea, for tea divination, but you don't need one. <laughs> um, but I think it's kind of fun sometimes to like see what's, you know, see what tea leaves end up in certain areas of the cup that the special tassiography cup I have. But um, that is one thing I've been really enjoying lately is just, doing the tassiography with Hades, giving him a cup, sitting and drinking it with him, and then, you know, uh, delineating a message from the cup. I think that's a really fun thing that you can do. And I would just recommend to keep it fun, to keep it exciting. And some deities are going to want, you know, the same thing every single day. Um, some deities want to switch it up a little bit. Sometimes it really doesn't matter and it's more about what you're interested in doing, but I've been working with Hades for eight years and, you know, I think it's really important to switch it up sometimes because I think it really helps with the complexity of the relationship to try new things together. It's kind of like when you're dating somebody and you do this, you have the same exact routine every single day. It's like, it's great because it's comforting and it's fun and it's things that you like to do. But when you switch it up and do an activity that you normally don't do or go out to breakfast or, you know, go, go apple picking or like whatever it is, whatever dates you're doing that are kind of unusual for you or, you know, you, you only do every once in a while, uh, you, you learn more about that person, right? You know, you're out to breakfast and you realize, oh, I didn't realize my partner liked this type of food or this type of thing, or you're apple picking and you're like, I didn't know they, you know, they did this or whatever it is. And it could be somebody that you're married to and, and you just are learning new things about them. Um, and so it's the same with the deity when you try different things on a daily basis or over the course of the years of the connection. So I recommend, you know, if you have like a divination method that you want to try, try it out with your deity. If it's Hades, great. If it's a different deity, just give it a shot, right? Um, there are definitely deities that, and I think at the beginning of, the, of a connection, I think maybe creating a really solid routine and having like one specific thing that you guys do with one another, I think is really important to kind of set up that connection. But if you've been working with this with a deity for a year, two years, three years, I think it could be the time to expand, try new things or even earlier than that. Um, so yeah, favorite ways to honor Hades every day. Um, yeah, trying out new things is my biggest tip, but I also like to, you know, I light incense for him. Um, I try to do that daily. 
I let or I set out his candle and light his candle. Um, almost every day I try to recite the Orphic Hymn to Hades and any other prayers that I have written to him over the years. I like to kind of recite recite them and go through them. Um, something that I've been doing for years is I also really like to dedicate actions to Hades. I find that it works really well for him in particular as a deity because he's very <clears throat> action oriented and I think he really cares. I know he really cares about, you know, our creative projects and our fulfillment and if we're like fulfilling and doing the things that we really want to do and experience and express in this lifetime. So whether that's travel for you or doing something that gets you out of your comfort zone or a specific art project, these are all things that you can dedicate as acts to Hades. Um, I know some Hades devotees that like to like give up something that they're trying to quit, like a, you know, they give up like a habit. Um, and they offer that to him. Um, I know some people who have something difficult that they have to do throughout their daily life. Like maybe they have to go to a lot of doctor's appointments in a season of life, or they have to go to therapy and that's really difficult for them. Um, or even if it's not, you know, dedicating those things, taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, those things are great to dedicate to Hades. And Hades has an epithet as, um, it's called the good counselor, you know, and that was one of his names and his epithets in the ancient world was he was considered to be the good counselor. And so, you know, even though the ancients weren't too keen on evoking him or working with him in any way, I think there was still this understanding archetypally of the fact that he wanted to help counsel. And so I find that Hades is the perfect deity to dedicate those actions to of you receiving counseling in some way, you receiving mentorship in some capacity, um, or yeah, anything kind of therapeutic like that. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a devotional act of you light a candle on an altar. Your daily deity work activities can be as simple as you going to a doctor's appointment or a therapy appointment and beforehand saying, hey Hades, I dedicate this act of caring for myself and talking about these things and allowing myself to heal as an act of devotion to you. And I ask for your assistance in this and I ask for your help and for you to make this process even more transformative for me, right? Or, or even more healing for me. And so it can be as simple as that. I think it's always important to tell the deity like this is a devotional act to you. It's kind of similar to where like you're I, I always recommend to announce that you're giving them an offering, you know, rather than just like putting it on the altar and then leaving, which I have done before, you know, sometimes you're just like, here you go, <laughs> or if they've asked for it or something, right? But um, I think as a best practice, it's always, always a good idea to let them know what you've offered to them and to ask them, you know, will you accept this as an offering, right? I think when it's an act of devotion, it's a little bit different. It's, you know, I don't feel like you necessarily have to ask for if they will accept this as an act of devotion. You, you could for sure do that. But um, like giving an offering, I think it's really important to let the deity know because that's what separates it from being just a regular thing you're doing in a devotional act, right? Is that awareness? Is that communication? So communicate with your deities, everybody. I think that uh, that's the easiest way to continue the connection and to make the connection stronger is just to talk to them and let them know what you're doing, what your ideas are, what your plans are, why you're doing things, and just ask them like for assistance and tell them about your life. Like That is such a big way to connect with the deity because they want to know about you. They want to hear stories from your life. They want to hear because they want to connect with you. They want to listen. And um, yeah, it's my favorite way to connect with deities even further. This next question is really interesting. And it says, does Hades ever come check in on us when we pray to him? And so I like this question because it kind of brings up ideas about like maybe how pagan theology works and how it works and what that whole vibe is. And of course, we can only kind of intuit this from our own experiences and maybe sort of historically how people like how scholars and, and people believe paganism works and visitation and pagan theology 
Um, it's never necessarily something that we're going to like 100% know for sure. Like, yep, this is scientifically what happens, right? Um, so keep that in mind and know that you might have a different experience than me or than other pagans. But I tend to view pagan personified deity as not omniscient. I think that you know, certain types of deities, we consider them to be or have this omniscient spirit to them. Um, I think a lot of Abrahamic deities, sort of like the Christian God, like we sort of see this entity as, as omniscient, whether or not they are, we don't know, but that's sort of how the theology is described. With paganism, we they're not omniscient, right? They're not described as omniscient in, in any way. Um, they tap in and touch into certain people, into certain things, but this is how deities are able to trick, you know, each other and play, you know, tricks and, you know, like just do things in their myths um, that wouldn't have been possible if they're all omniscient. And maybe to some extent we, we see this occasionally in, in Christian um, texts and stuff like that, right? I'm, I'm, I do not know very much about the Bible. It's like one thing about me. <laughs> I feel like I've always been a pagan because I really just, I love theology. And so I do kind of want to get into it at some point, but, um, I just don't really know much about the Bible. I've never really read the Bible, only certain passages, only certain moments, but anyway. Um, so the answer, the short answer is yes. I believe that, pagan deity does visit you when you pray to them. Um, I think it happens, it's not like 100% of the time, it's not like every single time pagan, you pray to a pagan deity, they're like peeking in on your life and they're like in your space. But I think that wherever they are, <laughs> you know, um, they can hear that prayer when it's directed to them, when you're using their name, when you're really, feeling this prayer for them when you're imagining them. So having like a really rich way that you pray, using visualization, um, connecting, saying the prayer slowly, really, you know, putting yourself into the prayer, um, I think helps to connect as deeply as possible and emotionally feel out that deity, right? So I would say when you pray, um, you might feel the presence of pagan personified deity. It really depends on what the vibe is. Ritual is sort of the way in witchcraft and in pagan witchcraft-based religions and religious practices, ritual is how we connect with these deities in sort of a more, um, what's the word, like not the opposite of casual. <laughs> oh yeah, in a more formal way, right? Um, so if you really want a deity to be present and to come and to visit you, and you really have something to say to the deity, I would recommend calling them into a ritual. Um, if you have worked with the deity in the past, it's very good chance, and the deity has shown up for you in the past, it's a really good chance that that deity is going to come through in ritual. However, it doesn't really, like, you, you're not, like, summoning them and it works 100% of the time, right? It's not like you're, you know, calling them down and you're this, like, magician that can compel them to come into your space. If they don't want to come, if they're not feeling it, if for whatever reason that they just they can't come, they don't think it's the right time, whatever the reason is, it doesn't always have to be about you or about the fact that the connection isn't right. Sometimes they just don't come through for whatever reason. And um, that does happen. And, you know, it, it could be a result of you holding a ritual. You know, you could hold a ritual and nothing could happen, right? Um, but I would say that that is the best way to speak to a deity formally and to introduce yourself. And if you're like, the question is, you know, do our pagan deities present with me? Are they looking down upon me? Are they with me when I'm saying the prayers? And so the best way to, if you want that, if you want them to be with you, be present with you, share your space, share the energy, um, for whatever reason, a ritual is the best way to do that. And whenever I'm craving that type of energy from a deity, I always do a ritual. Now, like I said, some deities, especially ones that you're close to and you've been working with for years and months and, you know, for a very long time or even just, you know, a relatively long time, I think 
that what happens when in those relationships is you start to take on energy from that deity. Um, And this is kind of like my UPG, my unverified personal gnosis. So take this with a grain of salt and see if it resonates for you. But this is what has happened with me. Like this is true for me in my life. When I connect with Hades, I become over the over the years that I've worked with him, I become more like him in the sense that I notice his energy kind of rubs off and imprints on me in some way. And this can happen through intentional ritual where you're you're seeking to really kind of like be one with this deity. That's that's one way of doing it and that's one way that I've seen my energy sort of having threads and imprints of Hades's energy on it. But I think being a daughter or a son or a child of a, of a deity can also impact this where like I really think your matron and patron deities or maybe you have multiple matrons and patrons depending on your paradigm and and you know what what you're up to and <laughs> what's going on, right? Which is totally possible. Um but your matron and patron I also personally feel like you can connect with them much easier or much more simply than you can connect with other deity like essentially you have almost like a instant messenger thing with your patron and matron where you know you can communicate with them and you really feel like they're receiving that communication even if it's very casual even if it's not in a ritual setting um and this is why you know you kind of see this throughout greek mythology and that's kind of where we we have verification of this idea of the heroes in greek mythology being able to have really in-depth instant conversations and communications with those deities who have claimed them as like their patron or matron or whatever it is, right? Like you see, you know, Jason um, having connections with the goddesses that are watching over him and they're, you know, putting um, people in his place and they're moving things around for him and they're making sure that he um, runs into you know positive experiences while he's out on his adventure, his travel. You see this throughout um, the Greek myths. You know certain heroes being favored by certain gods and goddesses, and them actively watching the deities. And and I forget which movie this is, but there's they made a lot of movies of like the ancient Greek um, mytho- mythologies and. Um, stories in like the 1960s and 70s and maybe even before then as well and so one of the movies it might have been um the movie about Perseus I think it's called the clock is is that one called the clash of the titans the one about Perseus like the old one um but there's I think there's a scene in that movie where the deities are all kind of they're on Olympus and it looks really silly (laughs) because it looks like this like heavenly environment and they're all kind of chatting about Perseus and what he's up to and then one deity is like looking through a looking glass down at Perseus and and being like oh like hey everybody get over here and see what he's doing (laughs) and so that's silly in like a movie Uh, But I think that when you have a relationship with a patron or matron, that is kind of the energy where maybe you can think about it as like they have a cell phone on them and when you need their help or when you're talking to them or when you just want to connect with them or communicate to them, it just gets buzzed to their phone and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, here's the short list of people. Or you can think about it as, you know, they're just invested in your life because they are your matron patron, you are a child of them they've claimed you in some way and maybe it is in their best interest as well because they care about the relationship to connect with you and to you know move things around for you and to give you um you know luck and that sort of thing however you think about it so that's my long answer long and varied answer to that question so I think the answer is like sometimes (laughs) and it depends on the type of relationship and what what essentially you're doing but I think Hades does check in on us when we pray when we pray to him. And uh, yeah, I love it. Okay, so the next question is, um, what does Hades like as gifts, offerings, tributes, or sacrifices? And so my favorite 
offerings to give Hades. I love giving him, like I said, coffee, peppermint tea, incense. For incense, I really like poppy, cypress, patchouli, which I feel like is really easily available, widely available patchouli incense. Um, patchouli is very Saturnian as like a planetary correspondence and really any Saturnian herb or Saturnian themed incense is going to be um, appropriate for Hades because he is in the scheme of the traditional planets associated with Saturn. But then, you know, you can also look for these specific types of plants and herbals and flowers and things like that that are associated more deeply with his mythology. And then, you know, on a, on a different level, you could also look for herbs that are associated with um, the signs that you feel like embody him. So I feel like Hades' energy is really embodied by Scorpio and Capricorn and Taurus and those types of energies. And I know they're all different signs, and so sometimes it's like hard to pin one down as like which energy is Hades. But if you think of all of those signs, you know, there, there are qualities to each of those that remind me of Hades. Capricorn is in the depths of winter and it's darkness and it's that Saturnian cold death energy. And so herbs or colors or associations with Capricorn could be appropriate for Hades. Um, like even like looking at the, the crystal correspondences of those. So Hades loves garnet and garnet is associated with Capricorn. But I also like to give him whiskey. Um, I really like to give him Crown Royal whiskey, but you know, any any type of whiskey, I think he'll appreciate. <laughs> um, wine, I like to do red wine for him. Something that I found out in college, when I was in college that he loves is he loves chocolate cake and brownies. And so like double chocolate cake, like chocolate cake and then chocolate frosting or like a brownie with chocolate chips in it or something, something really like fudgy, like just I think maybe fudge would be good too. He loves like that really decadent chocolate energy. And so I remember um, in college, this is like a fun story that you might've heard before. Um, me telling it on the podcast or in a different setting or on Instagram. But in uh, college, I did a ritual where I was asking Hades for assistance with paying for my school books. And because I had a semester where like all of my books were really expensive for some reason. And uh, he came through and he helped me pay for them. And like the story is really incredible where I got like this book advance from my university that I'd never gotten before or never gotten after in any of my other semesters. It was like super, the super random book advance. Like here's a gift card to $500 to the, the student bookstore um, randomly this one semester. It was so, so crazy. But the offering that I gave to him that he seemed to really like <laughs> because of the result of the ritual was I gave him chocolate cake. So I baked him um, chocolate cupcakes and I gave him a couple of them um, and he seemed to love that. So now <clears throat> whenever I want to give him something really special or I want um, to give him an offering for kind of like a, peti a petition that I'm writing to him or asking him to fulfill in my life, I always give him chocolate cake. It's kind of like our little ritual. And then the last question that I'm going to answer about Hades in particular is this question that says anything that isn't really said about Hades, but that we should know about him question mark. And I think that question's really interesting. Like, is there anything that we should know about Hades that isn't really said or spoken? And so from my personal experience with Hades, that's kind of how I'm viewing this question is like, is there anything you've experienced from Hades that isn't really talked about publicly or you haven't really heard very often. And so I think the answer is absolutely. I'm sure there's so many things that I've experienced that I, in my UPG, I really haven't seen other people experiencing Hades in this way. And I think that for me, the answer to this question is that I really feel like Hades cares so deeply about your life purpose and what you're doing. And I feel like this is something I talk a lot about with Hades and you probably, even probably earlier in this podcast, you've heard me talk about this theme, but I don't hear any practitioners or other devotees of Hades talking about this. Sometimes I hear this conversation 
being talked about with other death deities in general, but I've never heard it about Hades. Um, but let me explain to you why I really feel this is the case and why he, you know he's told me this and, and given me this impression over the last couple of years I've been working with him. Hades is the all receiver. He is the receiver of souls to the underworld. Um, and he takes in anybody and everybody, right? Um, and so Hades sees this myriad of human experience and and he can see and, and witness how these spirits feel about their lives and what they've been able to accomplish. And, you know, I believe in reincarnation and that is consistent with the sort of ancient Greek idea of the underworld and sort of what happens in the underworld. There's sometimes um, this idea that you get three lives. Again, this is in the ancient Greek paradigm. You get three lives to basically fulfill your life purpose and maybe in each life it's slightly different, um, but you have three lives to really like nail down and fulfill what your purpose was for that specific life. And if you have been able to do that, if you've been able to truly live and experience and achieve a life purpose or make some sort of contribution to the world or whatever like you were set out to do, even if it is sort of like a very um, quiet, intimate thing with, with family members and you were just meant to, you know, have a family and love and be loved, right? Whatever it is your soul was seeking to accomplish. Typically we hear about it being talked about in the realm of like the Greek heroes and like the incredible pursuits they've been able to accomplished, but I don't think it always has to be so heroic. Um, a lot of scholars and thinkers and writers have been able to also sort of achieve this. And again, in like the sort of ancient Greek theology of how this works. And so basically, if you've been able to, at some point in those three reincarnations, if you've been able to fulfill a life purpose and make yourself known or, you know, do something that really impacts your soul, impacts the earth, impacts the world in some way, even like I said, if it's just something quiet and intimate with your family or your community, your local community, you're able to go to this place called Elysian Fields, which is like this paradise and all of these people who have also been able to achieve what they set intention to achieve before they were incarnated, they also get to be here. So, you know, you might be here again with like the likes of heroes and prominent thinkers and writers and artists and things like that. And in Elysian Fields, you don't have to be reincarnated again. You can choose, I believe, to be reincarnated again if you want to live another life, but you don't have to be, um, and you just get to chill out. <laughs> so it's kind of nice. And so with that idea, with that theology in mind, you know, Hades is the person who gets to witness this process. And I feel like in addition to the fates, weaving the fates and maybe um, coming up with what this like purpose path is gonna look like for you. And that's what I believe the birth chart is, is sort of like the impression of that, that fate. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like the aspect lines or like the threads of fate, like literally um, that tie different parts of your life and, and things like that together. It's a very interesting way to look at aspects. But um, that that's what I believe. And so Hades is also part of this and is also overseeing this and talking to people and counseling people and being heavily involved in fate. And because of Hades' um, position and the fact that he is a death deity, he lives in the underworld, he is the king of the underworld, I believe that he's able to access everybody's fate and know what everybody's fate is. He, I don't think he like sits here with like a mind full of every single person on earth's fate, but he can go find that information if he wants to and meet with you and sit with you and, and talk through that, right? Ideally, you know, <laughs> I'm sort of imagining this. And so Hades cares what your fate is and if you are achieving it. He wants you to actively seek that out. He wants you to fulfill your life purpose. 
And it's not in this like, oh, you have to fulfill your life purpose or else you're not a good person or not good enough or whatever. It's like he wants you to do this because he wants you to not have regrets about your life, you know, and regardless of the Elysian Fields thing and and whatever's happening there, right? Like he just doesn't want you to come into the underworld with all of these feelings of, oh, I should have spent more time doing this. I should have done this. I should have talked to this person. I should have, you know gotten that opportunity. I should have written that book. He wants you to just do it like a one take (laughs) in your life and fulfill your purpose and just do it for you, you know, Um, because at at the end of the day, this is all for you. If you go, if you, even if you want to go to Elysian Fields or not, right, it's all for you. It doesn't really have to do with anybody else. And so he knows that and he witnesses that, but he wants that for you, you know, So Hades is a really great deity to approach about matters of fate, life purpose. If you're feeling like, okay, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't really know what to do in career. I don't know, you know, I I have a forked path. Which one should I take? He is a really great deity to approach about those questions. And that's why I when I do Hades channeling readings, that's what we're mainly focusing on is Hades giving you some information about how you can currently take some steps, some action steps towards your life purpose. Um, Sometimes other themes come up in Hades channeling readings, in Royale readings, but um, that's typically the approach that I take to those channelings. In addition to like just messages about your connection and other things like that, right? So that's something that I wish more people knew about Hades um, and that I think is helpful to approach a relationship with Hades with. Um, He's also very kind, but I feel like that's talked about a lot. He's very kind. He's very protective. Um, I think one last thing that I'll mention is that he has a very sensual energy. And so even though he shows up very kind and fatherly, depending on the person or the connection or what the vibe is or what the season of the connection is, like sometimes he comes to me in total dad vibe, total like protective dad energy. And he's like, okay, we got to talk about this and this and this. (laughs) But sometimes he shows up to me as this very sensual deity, as this very like like this dark kind of primal, like sensual person, you know, deity, like I don't even know how to describe it. Um, And that is really special. And it's something that I didn't, didn't know uh, was going to happen in my deity work practice. Like, you know, he just comes into ritual and the vibe is just super like charged with this almost sensual, sexual nature. Um, and I don't think that this is always the case. (laughs) And I think if, you know, if you're doing like a ritual of Hades and Persephone, this might not be the case. Um, again, this has happened to me in, in my practice with Hades. And I think it's, it serves a purpose. I think he shows up this way again to sort of provide you with some sort of, service of what you feel like you need at the time, you know? So I think for me at the time, when this happened and when I was connecting with him in this way, or when I connect with him in this way, because it still happens occasionally, it's because I need that energy in my life for whatever reason. Maybe I need to unlock that essence within me. I've also done a lot of work in my life around like healing from the idea of me not being able to feel pleasure or experience that sort of thing um maybe a tw for like eating disorders and things like that feel free to click off if you aren't wanting to have a conversation like that right now but um you know i have experienced a bunch of different types of eating disorders in my life um and it's funny because over the last course of my eight year long hades devotional practice the other thing that was happening in those eight years is like me being in and out of recovery for different eating disorders. And so I feel like he's really come to me in this sensual way to teach me that feeling good and giving my body these good feelings and whatever it is, if it's sex, if it's food, if it's um, allowing myself to relax, all of these things 
it's good. You know, it's, it's earthly. It's beautiful. Um, I also read recently um, this idea of that Hades is like the deity of, you know, he's the god of the earth. He kind of rules over the earth and this earthly existence in a lot of ways. And even if we think of the underworld as like the sublunar realm, you know, if we think of the Aristotelian spheres, the lunar sphere is the earth sphere. It's a sphere like right above the earth. It's like in the gravitational field of the earth. And then the sublunar sphere is both the underworld, but it's also kind of like this earthly plane as well, right? Um, and I really feel like because of that, um, because he rules over both the underworld and, you know, you could argue this earthly plane, um, he wants us to experience the, the things of the earthly plane. He wants us to really have an amazing life. And this ties in with the life purpose thing. And so it makes sense for him to show up as this sort of very unbridled sensual deity right similarly to maybe how Dionysus or Pan or something would show up and I think Hades does have a little bit more stoic kind of control like he's not just fully Pan like he's not just showing up in in full chaos mode <laughs> you know or like full like satyr earth deity you know vibe but he has an aspect to him where that can be the case and I think it might be unexpected for some people who haven't don't know that side of him or maybe they're like wait Hades is supposed to be like this very gloomy stoic monotone deity like what is happening why is he showing up in this really like sensual way like in this very like Dionysian way like what is happening you know <laughs> and we can also think of Hades as he's the um the father of Zagoras you know and I think that maybe that statement even is a little bit controversial because Zagoras is sometimes associated with Zeus, sometimes associated with Hades, um, but he's a child of Persephone, and so he becomes sort of this like child of the underworld, and um, I really personally feel like he's the child of Hades, but maybe that's a different conversation. But, you know, as being this father of Zagoras, or having almost maybe an epithet um, that has to do with this, this energy of Zagreus being another masculine deity of the Greek underworld. You know, Zagreus is also attributed to Dionysus and they have a lot of similarities. And, you know, Zagreus in a, in a sense was a deity that was supposed to be sent to the humans, kind of like Dionysus ended up being sent to humanity to give us wine and to show us how to live a, a good life or whatever, right? But Zagoras was supposed to be a deity for humans and for humanity. And he never really got to accomplish this because he was murdered by the Titans. But I feel like Hades has an energy similar to that. Um, or like if you think about maybe the energies of the two deities being able to come together and to merge, whether it's like Hades and Dionysus or Hades and Zagoras, or just maybe that's not the case at all. And Hades just has this really sensual nature to him um, that isn't talked about much. But those are kind of my ways of understanding and maybe seeing this phenomenon that I've experienced through the lens of uh, the mythology and sort of how we how we see him to be. But even just in the mythology with Hades and Persephone, you know, like he's showing up as a romantic character in that myth, right? And he's showing up as like in that energy in a lot of ways. And so I think it makes sense from all perspectives. But yeah, you might evoke Hades one day and you might be feeling a lot of sensual energy from him. <laughs> and I think if it's something that you're not open to or not interested in, which I totally get, there's been times where I'm like, Hades, I'm so not vibing on this right now. What is going on? <laughs> and it's not been in like a weird way. Like I really want to preface this by it's not in like a weird way. It's not in a way that is going to make you uncomfortable, I don't think. It's just a feeling, you know, it's just an energy of like, wow, it's interesting that the deity's showing up in this way. But I've always had um, success with telling Hades, hey, I need you to be in this energy right now. Or can you tell me why you're showing up here and, and 
you know, can we move this? Can we move your energy? Can we can we get a different vibe if you're not feeling it? So don't feel um, nervous about evoking Hades or nervous that this energy might come through. But um, it is something that I've experienced. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for this Q&A and all of your questions. I really enjoy talking about them. I hope they gave you a really good explanation and you know, some more information about working with Hades. If you have any more questions, leave them um, in the poll below on Spotify, or if you're listening on another platform, you can DM me at diariesofawitchpod at gmail.com and tell me um, either your experiences with Hades or give me questions that I can answer in another Q&A. Also follow me over on Instagram where I do daily stories and talk every single day about witchcraft, deity work, and Hades. This week, um, we are doing a lot of activities in the Palace Coven, and we're kind of entering into, you know, our October Scorpio season vibe. It's not quite Scorpio season yet. We're still in Libra season, but we are getting ready and approaching Scorpio season, which is going to be so exciting for the Coven because I'm doing this special program during Scorpio season inside the Palace Coven called Underworld Awakening. And this is going to be a Hades and Persephone and Underworld themed month of connection, conversation, um, and different events and different perks that you get throughout the tiers. So there's different events in every single tier for Underworld Awakening. So you get to choose your level of content that you receive. If you want the full experience, the full program, join the stars tier at $55 a month. Also in the stars tier, this is what you get. You get the entire Underworld Awakening program, which includes a ritual for Hades and Persephone um, that we're doing live on October 24th. You get three meditations that I've recorded um, about Hades and Persephone and the Underworld. And so they're journeying meditations where you get to dive deeper into the Underworld and meet them and connect with them. You get our Discord prompts for um, Underworld Awakening. And you get our weekly live streams um, that we do every single month. And this month for Scorpio season in Underworld Awakening, we're going to be doing Hades and Persephone channelings every single month, as well as just talking about different topics in deity work and devotion. So it's going to be really exciting. Um, You also get events that happen every single month in the Star's Court tier. So you're going to get an astrology class that we do every single month, as well as the ability to attend our deity work and witchcraft coaching call. That's also available in the moon tier. Um, If you want a breakdown of all the tiers and what's available in each of them, go look at the show notes and there's going to be a link there for the Palace Coven where you can check all of the tiers out. And I would recommend looking at the, you know, breakdown because I know sometimes me talking about it here can be a little like, whoa, it's a lot of events. It's a lot of tiers. It's a lot of energy. So go check it out for yourself and uh, see what's available in all of the tiers and join us for Scorpio season for Underworld Awakening. It's a great time to join the program, again, because you not only get the special content that we're doing for Underworld Awakening, but you also get all the other content that we normally do in the Palace Coven in a month. So you get a huge value, essentially, if you join in October. All right, everybody, we will talk very soon. I will see you in the Palace Coven in a reading or maybe in another episode. See you later. Bye.